Well, hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, new episode of uh, the Localization Fireside Chat channel. And I'm honored and I'm excited, actually, to be with uh, today, joined by uh, on our discussion this morning with Sandra Stepan. And uh, Sandra and I, we've met uh, like everybody else nowadays on LinkedIn. And uh, we sort of had a conversation and I got really excited about the topic of digital marketing and the impact of digital marketing on the localization business A and B on how digital marketing uh, needs or could be impacted by the localization industry. So before we dive in too far into the topic, and again, this is a fireside conversation, so we could switch topics in and on, uh, and we can uh, have the conversation as casual as we want to or serious as we want to. So I wanna uh, first ask Sandra to introduce herself, tell us a little bit about herself and uh, where she is at. She's uh, um, you know, I don't want to take her thunder, but I was so impressed with her background and I'd, I'd love, and that's why the conversation is happening today. So go ahead, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you. For the first time in a very long time, I am actually back in Canada. I know that's, it's shocking to hear for Welcome some, but uh, thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, 14 cat years, like uh, I told my cat. Um, oh, sorry, so Sandra. Years. So my name is Sandra Stepan. I am based in uh, Kitchener, Ontario, and I haven't been here actually. Shockingly, I'm calling from here. I haven't been here in about 14 cat years, as I as I told my cat. <laughs> I am an e-commerce um, expert and digital marketer. I started my e-commerce journey in 2016 when my now fiance was attending a um, a mastermind in Bali. I joined him. And I saw that people are making money online. And I said, I got to do this. Uh, they were making money from, you know, a, a location of villa surrounded by palm trees. And I, as much as I love my job, I came back to Canada and I said, I'm sorry, guys, I got I to gotta do my own thing and go travel the world. Since then, we have started and scaled our own brands, a couple of them to seven figures. We bootstrapped. We had a lot of successes, but a lot, a lot of failures as well. And along the lines, we are along the timeline, I guess, we have also started our own marketing agency where we work with other e-commerce brands and online service businesses to help them scale by diversifying their traffic sources. Over the last two years, I had more than 40 check-ins in Airbnbs. We um, stayed in uh, the Balkans where our roots are from and countries like Romania, Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, and Montenegro. And like I said, I am back in Canada. It's great to uh, to be here with family and uh, kind of pick up where I left off a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, welcome home. And, uh, you know, wow, uh, 40 odd uh, stays at Airbnb in two years. You are truly a digital nomad, that's for sure. Um, and uh, to build businesses while you're on the move. Uh, you're a great example for the rest of us and for those who aspire to be living under the palm trees while making some money and doing uh, what they love to do. Uh, and especially in a connected world like this, there's no reason why anybody cannot work remotely if their job allows them to do, unless you're in construction, et cetera. You are in uh, physical demanding, physically demanding jobs, then you can't do that. But if you are in a job where your job can come with you in, in terms of being digital, uh, perfect opportunity for uh, for the new economy, I guess, for all of us. And thanks for being an example. I'm, I'm now now I have aspiration to become like you at some point. So great to have you with us again. Um, at you. the same time, 
Um, I want to get our audience uh, to understand a little bit about uh, the um, how digital marketing can help uh, their businesses. If you're in the localization business, and as I'm not sure if it's if, if I already told you, but localization business got many companies, small companies, mid-sized companies, and large organizations. And you know, altogether globally, I think there's like about nineteen thousand odd companies in the in this space. And mm-hmm. most of them, like any other industry in the service industry, you've got, you know, uh, the 80-20 rule. So 80% of the business is concentrated at the top 20 companies, but you've got a whole bunch of businesses that they're smaller in size that they, they form the entire localization industry. Mm-hmm. So from a digital marketing perspective, and especially if you're trying to market yourself and differentiate yourself out there, um, how do you see that? Like, what's your what's your vision to this and what's your solution? If if I was a small company in the localization industry, how can I use your services and how can your services help me? Well, the world is more more connected. So when you're looking at digital marketing, you're really opening up a whole um, repertoire of, of opportunities and um, you can reach new audiences and you can connect with new communities that you wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with. I, although I am, um, I'm Canadian and I'm most familiar with the Canadian and the U.S. Uh, business market, I have worked with companies all over the world from South Africa, Israel, um, even Norway, and um, there really is no, um, there are no limits when working with a company like ours when it comes to marketing um, online. So digital marketing is essentially just marketing online. If you have a business, whether you are a local business or um, an online business, you can use digital marketing to market your services, um, even at a local uh, level or at an online level if you want to grow and expand to new markets. So if I was a small localization company, let's say I am uh, located in uh, Madrid and mm-hmm. um, and I have a small localization company, you know, I don't know, five, 10 employees, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I would like to do some digital marketing in my, mm-hmm. uh, you know, area. Uh, mm-hmm. How, how, how would you, uh, you know, what would be your recommendation for something like this? And I know first is to engage with a digital marketing agency. But what yeah. would be some of the ideas uh, that immediately somebody can do to affect or to impact their local market in the region that they are in, in this case, let's say Madrid? Yeah. So um, when it comes to digital marketing, you want to do quite similar things um, like you would do in your local marketing. So the first thing would be to really understand where you want to go, um, what your targets and goals are and aspirations, and look at some uh, marketing strategies that will work for you. So depending on your business, you want to understand your target audience first and understand where they hang out, what they talk about, what uh, gets them to, what, what makes them tick and what moves the needle for them. Um, there are a lot of services, a lot of areas that you can tap into. You don't have to do them all. Um, for uh, most businesses at a local level, when it comes to digital marketing, I would say that some sort of social media is, it, it's pretty much a pillar for digital marketing. Um, everybody is online now. Everybody is using social media one way or another from um, the youngest you know, uh, generation of, uh, of early teens to the most seasoned generation of I actually spoke to, I have customers for one of our businesses in their 90s and they talk to us on Facebook and they order from Facebook. So social media would be one of them. Uh, probably some sort of a paid media like Google ads, Facebook ads, uh, Bing or whatever is you know popular in your, in your ear, but usually Facebook and, and Google. 
And um, email marketing, uh, it really doesn't matter that you're a local business, small business, big business. Email marketing allows you to sell and communicate to an audience at a very, very low cost. You control the message, you control the medium. Nobody can take away your, your space in inbox where you use a Facebook ad, for instance. Facebook, it can be a little bit finicky sometimes and you gotta do a little bit of testing and play around with it. But when it comes to email marketing, uh, you own as as an email marketing list you own an asset that you control and can monetize um i would start there there's a lot of other things you can do like podcasts for instance you can also <laughs> do well content marketing youtube tiktok a uh, very very um overseen by a lot of local businesses but actually um i you know, traveling and not cooking for pretty much two years. I've been ordering in twice a day and I did go to a lot of places that I found on TikTok, believe it or not, beautiful cafes and restaurants that were just, uh, you know, showing us what they're they're all about and what they have to offer. So, so basically you have to follow the audience, whatever the medium is that they're yes. using, um, you know, whatever the new communication trends, I guess, you know, exactly that point and then you you reference uh, tiktok and uh, and a few yeah. other tools i guess and um advertisement uh on google and a few mm -hmm. other things um mm -hmm. also app advertisement what do you think of app advertisement in apps advertisement what, what's your thoughts on that yeah um if your audience uses apps then absolutely um i would say that app advertisement would definitely need to be one of those activities that you want to engage uh, a digital marketer or marketing expert for and it's a little bit harder to do um on your own versus if you are a business you can kind of have the in-house activities towards social media and email marketing it's a little bit easier mm -hmm. um yeah that's just my 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 take on it. So, so in your in your uh, expertise, uh, based on you know, and I know you deal with the uh, uh, when you because we talked a little bit on, about uh, email marketing and email mm -hmm. marketing. You're right. I mean, email email marketing is direct point A to point B. You you own the message. You own intellectual property around that message. Nobody can unless you know somebody forwards your email. You're not going to be on social media where people can mm -hmm. grab that tone of the message and copy and replicate it. So it's a little bit more effective uh, to do mm -hmm. email marketing if i was a um you know small um entrepreneur and i'm not talking about the large one because the large one the large entrepreneurs or the large companies know how to do this and they have departments in charge of it etc but for the small guys for the small into entrepreneurs what would be the easiest way to get started on uh email marketing as an initiative in uh in advertising their their business or services the first thing you want to do would be to sign up with an email service provider. So in order to email, no matter where you are in the world and no matter what language you email in, you have to adhere by some local rules. So Europe is a little bit more strict when it comes to email marketing. North America is strict, but not nearly as strict as Europe. Um, where they have laws against um, emailing and soliciting through emails. So what you want to do is you want to avoid being called a spammer. Um, and spammers are not just, you know, the princes calling you from, <laughs> I don't know where, because you inherited, um, you inherited a big, uh, 
uh, a big treasure underwater that the pirates have uh, fished up for you. But um, you want to make sure that you're not uh, soliciting um, soliciting people over email. So you want to use an email service provider um, like Mailchimp, for instance. That one is a great all, all well-rounded email marketing platform for both local businesses, service businesses, um, e-commerce businesses. If you are a small store um, and you do mainly commerce or e-commerce, then I would suggest something like Clavio um, that's specifically designed for e-com. And you can also, Google and search alternative, there's dozens of, of great providers out there. So you want to set up the infrastructure first where you can collect emails and have consent to collect emails and consent to send emails. Um, the next thing you want to do is collect emails. If you are a local business, one of the easiest ways to collect emails is at a checkout point. When someone is purchasing from you, you can say, hey, we have um, offers and news updates that we like to um, talk about once a week. Do you want to sign up for our newsletter? Um, give us your name and your email and that's pretty much it. A lot of these apps allow you to do it. They integrate with your point of sale system. So you can um, actually like just kind of punch it and you don't have to write it out. Um, or you can also um, have like in-store apps and points, uh, points apps where you have to sign up with email. So get an email service provider, put together the infrastructure, start collecting emails and get consent to collect emails and then start emailing. Um, when you email, you um, can email campaigns, which are like one-off emails that you send out, um, kind of like the newsletters that you always get, or you can create flows where you set up automatic emails for um, different triggers. So when someone, for instance, purchases for the first time or um, looks on your website, puts something in their basket in their card and they don't end up buying instant automatic um, reminders for that. So most email service providers will have some sort of a template for these. You don't have to go crazy when you start. I would suggest just get started and um, do the fancy later, but get started with something, something simple, straightforward, Email service yeah, provider. I was going to ask you about the uh, message crafting, you know, when you're doing the messaging, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people focus a lot on, you know, bells and whistles inside their mm -hmm. message. I mean, I'm sure there's a pros and cons to everything, right? So wondering yeah. what would be, I, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the messaging there. So what would be, you know, your personal preference when it comes to messages? Simple, complicated, in the middle, What and how do you go about crafting it? Yeah, so um, just a side side step to that. One of the most profitable emails we had for our current uh, business was actually a plain text email. It did not have any logos. It did not. It just had one button. Um, I agree actually, with you. I agree with it, you. It, plain the text emails are, are the best. It was it was plain text, and it was from me to you. It wasn't from our company to a lot of people. It was from Sandra to Robin. So when it comes to email marketing. Um, I would say um, go along with the voice of your brand. So some brands have more, I guess like they do like the bells and whistles. They are more fancy. They like to use big words and be fancy. Um, but I would say that's maybe the, that's the minority of, of businesses. For most businesses, straightforward email works the best mm -hmm. where you have from you to you approach. So talk to one person, always talk to one person, make your audience feel like, you are there for them. You're communicating directly to them. Yeah, it doesn't want to sound you... spammy, right? So exactly, <laughs> exactly, person. exactly. And understand how your audience communicates. What do they like to see? Do they like to see a story and then the sell? Or do they just want to get down to business and see the sell and then the story? Um, to give you an example, one of our brands is a hearing aid brand. So when we communicate um, our through emails, we want 
a lot of our um, audience um, is a little bit on a more mature side. So we don't like to have the fancy buttons and the flashing and so on, um, bigger text and simple colors. Um, when we are dealing, when working with a business that is, you know, a high, high-end um, fashion brand, for instance, shoes or jewelry or hats, um, they like to see the colors, they like to see the models, they like to see what others are doing, because when you are selling fashion, you're selling fashion to people that are paying money to look great, so they want to see what others are doing, so they, they like the colors, they like the, the flashing and so on, so yeah. stay true to your brand, but if you're in doubt, go simple. Do not yeah. go, go simple, have a very simple header that communicates the essence of your email. So whether it's a sale, a happy Valentine's Day, happy Mother's Day, yeah. um, have a simple header and then just get down to it. Speak right as you would speak yeah. and don't try to use overcomplicated words or very big words, not intimidate your audience and then have buttons that take your audience directly to. Those are the, action, those are the actionable items that you can have in your exactly. email. That's the hooks, right? Yeah. And, and for Simple our business, like, yeah, for our business, like in the localization industry, we collect a lot of information. That's the nature of the industry. So, you know, for instance, your customer name, you know, your, their email address, you know, when was the last time they've done a project with you, yeah. know what topic it was. So there is a lot of customization and personalization you can introduce yes. into the email because that data is available and you can make it sound like in a, in a normal email, it may make it sound a lot more like it is personally dedicated to that individual that allows you to either a in our business for instance allow you to make sure that this customer hasn't forgotten about you as a vendor so they can come back to you they can be serving as a reminder and the second thing is it, it gives them the opportunity that yeah they're staying in contact with me although mm -hmm. it is not an immediate it's not a consistent needed services sometimes it is mm -hmm. sometimes it's like needed every once in a month or maybe every mm -hmm. six months you need translation services so then it would become more of a, a, a reminder and B yeah. it allows them to, oh, I heard a friend of mine that requires some uh, localization work. So I'm going to forward that exactly. email. To, it allows you to expand the base a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Email, email marketing is a great tool to stay top of mind. And as much as we want to make it a transactional piece where I'm sending out an email and I want to see how much money I'm making today. It is a great way to communicate with your audience. And like I said, the, the, the feed news feed, the real estate is so expensive right now. If you create an ad or even an organic post on Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, TikTok, it's, it's, it's a battle. It's always a fight against your competitors. Of when course. you have, when you have an email marketing list and you, you get the opportunity to communicate to your yeah. clients, your subscribers, your customers one-on-one yeah. -on -one yeah. without obstructions from your competitors. So great tool to keep top, stay top of mind. Um, and it's a great way for you to show off your personality as a brand, to show off what you're all about, what makes you unique, what problems for that customer are you solving better than anyone else and um just back to the personalization i wanted to make a note um when you start yes make it simple um simple is better than than over complicated but definitely use those personalization features even if it's something as simple as someone's name um or when they purchase last because you work in the language world right so nuances are very important when we communicate even through emails so when you send someone an email saying hey buy this versus hey buy this again we know you liked it because you bought it three months ago you have that data with an email marketing right. Uh, right. software right. very right. it's it's a subtle difference but it's an impactful one 
That's right. It's so, so which leads me to the next personalization item, which we always talk about, not necessarily from an email perspective, but the topic is email marketing at this point. Mm -hmm. But it could be, you know, the same thing can be applied to any piece of content that you put in front of your customer, to be honest. Um, what do you think of the item that says, you know, I can personalize your email to the language of your audience, to the preferred language of the audience. And you capture that during when you capture your email addresses from customers, you can tell them, you can ask, you know, what's your language preference? And if they checkbox, whatever the language it is uh, that they chose, then that email that they receive, they receive it in the language of preference. Um, I, and, I, and there's many studies on this one, by the way, there's many statistics on it. Even though somebody can speak four or five languages or six and seven, I've met people that speak seven languages in Europe. Mm -hmm. So they do have a one preferred language. They're capable of communicating in other languages, but their preference, the preferred language is A, whatever that language it is at that mm -hmm. time. So when there is a lot of study that shows that if you communicate in the language of in the language of choice of your customers, you improve your um, your revenue, you improve your end results, which is selling products, services, etc. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I've uh, I've had a situation quite a couple of times working with Canadian businesses where give it. Uh, people living in Quebec, they speak English very, very well, but it shows them that you care. It shows them that you respect them when, if they click that box, take that box and say, yeah, I would prefer to receive emails in French and you actually send them emails in French. It, it actually worked wonders for, for the brands we work with. So I completely agree with that. Especially now, like uh, there are some uh, jurisdictions around the world, they have a language um, uh, rules around, like I'm reminded by uh, the bill 96 for Quebec, for instance, that mm -hmm. came up, came online uh, a year or two ago. Um, you know, where there is some regulations around those communication in the preferred language of either the group, which is in this case yeah. the province, or the yeah. individual. If the if in the case where the individual, um, where the individual deals with a specific language preferences. Now, which brings me to the next uh, topic when it comes to digital marketing is accessibility, for instance, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, for the impaired, for you know, we talk mm -hmm. a lot about about accessibility in, 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 in how we put our messages in front of people, specifically like visually impaired, hearing impaired, et cetera. Yeah. So how do you, have you come across that? And how did you, how were you able to solve it if you did? Yeah, so actually one of our brands is a hearing aid company. <laughs> so we we live that. Uh, my partner is hard of hearing and has been hard of hearing since I was five years old. So um, we are actually, we live in a world where I, my communication is a little bit different than most people's communication because I know that if he's not looking at me, um, he can't read my lips. So I have to kind of like repeat myself again. So um, with, yeah, I've come across this um, many times over in our own business and uh, businesses that we work with. Um, I, one of the, um, one of the biggest pieces I'll say that made a difference in communicating with our own audience of hearing impaired and individuals with hearing loss, um, was letting them know that we understand their struggles. So I'm not going to be perfect as a, um, I guess hearing person, I'll, I'll, if I'll use that term, um, when I create emails, uh, but when the emails also say that, Hey, our co-founder also has a hearing loss. He understands what you go through. And it's not just hearing, it's missing out on conversations. It's being in an airport and being a little bit lost because you can't hear the PA system, uh, being in a busy restaurant and feeling like you're not part of the conversation because there's too much chatter. That has an implication that is goes beyond language. It goes to an emotional, um, it, it appeals to to emotions, right? Because that's, that's yeah. the world someone lives in. Yeah. So 
you know, in a technical, from a technical side of thing, I would say do whatever you can to adjust for your audience. So let's say that you are a brand or a business that um, comes from North America and your premier, prim, um primary language is English, and maybe you don't have the resources to translate in Spanish if you are selling in Spain, but there are so many apps that you can use to at least do the captions in Spanish, and people can read the captions, so do whatever you can to accommodate your audience. Um, that's on the technical side of things. On the non-technical side of things, on the more, I will call them holistic <laughs> side of things, show them that you care and show them that you understand. Hey, we may, not, may, we may not always be able to do our best. We will do our best in terms of regulations and you know, law does specify you have to um, adjust for, for most people. But even if we can do 100% of our best of what we wish we could do, we get you and we're trying and we are here to um, accommodate you any way you can. And I found that people appreciate that so, so much, whether it's, like I said, translating, um, at least having the captions or having the, um, like the, the caption, the social media posts, not even the closed caption, but the captions mm. in the social media posts where you translate from English to um, Spanish or French or whatever other language. You know, it's, it's a very interesting uh, topic, accessibility, it's, uh, mm. especially uh, when we moved uh, pretty much uh, during COVID, the entire world into a digital platforms, and you know the you know the the increase of use of of uh, the digital environments uh, after the pandemic or during and after mm. the pandemic has become more prevalent. This issue of accessibility yeah. has become more prevalent. Yeah. You see a lot of uh, companies increasing the fonts on their uh, websites yeah. to make it more visual. Exactly. Uh, you see that uh, people are you know for um, hearing uh, for hearing impaired impaired individuals they're Putting, if you're playing a uh, an audio or a video file, mm -hmm. there, there's a little bit more uh, control over the increase of the audio now. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's it's you know it's and it's all good, and that's a segment of our society that sometimes um, needs to be addressed in a very pronounced way versus uh, uh, versus you know an afterthought. I think everything we do it needs to be bundled in within uh, the uh, from a content creation. I mean, it needs to be bundled in. Shifting gears a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, Sandra, uh, what's your um, thoughts and observations over the years in terms of, like, I'm a small entrepreneur, for instance, I'm just speaking on behalf of the small entrepreneurs, um, uh, and I want to invest X amount of dollars in digital marketing. What has mm -hmm. been your in terms of return on investment? So if I put a dollar, let's say, as an example in uh, digital marketing, what would be my return on investment? I get this question a lot, and I don't know if I can ever have a straightforward one sentence answer, to be honest. Um, profitability means different things to different businesses. So I have met entrepreneurs that make eight figures, and they said, look, if I invest a dollar and I make a dollar and 10 cents, I'm happy. It's profit. I've also met businesses that do not want to engage in any sort of digital marketing activities if they don't make 3x because it's not worth their time. So... One thing I can say for sure is that um, it's extremely hard to um, to grow and scale without spending some sort of money on some sort of marketing. Unfortunately, um, gone are the days when you could, you know, use Instagram and Facebook at an organic, I'll call it level, and um, and make lots of sales. So, what I would suggest is look at your numbers, understand your numbers, and understand what. Um, what you want and what you need in terms of your profit margins. Um, 
do some benchmarking uh, research and see what your competitors or your industry is um, typically seeing as a return compared it to and make a decision on what you want. Um, with a lot of marketing online nowadays, again, depending on the industry, uh, the reality is you can't be profitable on the front end. So building a sound infrastructure on the back end is equally, if not even more important than what you do on mar on the front end of marketing. So especially with businesses that have a um, lower uh, product costs, but a lot of repeat customers. So anything in food industry, cosmetics, even fashion, they will not make a lot of money on the front end, um, whether that's with Google ads, Facebook ads, YouTube, influencer, and so on. But if you capture their email, capture their uh, their phone number for text marketing, if you um, get them on your social media profiles, on your YouTube channel, on your Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and communicate with them um, over and over again and communicate with them on all channels, um, then you'll win on the repeat uh, business and increased average client value. It's really hard for me to say, put X dollars uh, in and get X dollars out. Um, it really depends on the industry. It depends on your expectations. It depends on where you are, right? When you're, when you're smaller, when you're a smaller business and you're just starting out, your ROI will be um, a lot higher than when you are um, a, a, a bigger business, right? So you can scale in a linear fashion up to a certain point, and then you're going to plateau. Um, that's where um, someone like myself come in, where we actually don't scale businesses by putting in more money in the same things they've been doing, but actually looking at diversifying their traffic sources so they can capture that extra revenue and they can convert a little bit better with um, platforms that are not as popular, I call them, like Pinterest, for instance, that you know has 400 million um, active users uh, uh a month versus Facebook that has 2 billion. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Never a straight answer to that question. No, I know. I mean, it depends on, <laughs> it depends on many factors, right? So marketing and sales and uh, revenue generation, there's multiple yeah. factors involved in this, but what we're trying to address is, yeah. uh, is, is one topic today, but I'm sure there's a ton of other topics that we can dive into in separate episodes on, on this conversation. Mm -hmm. you, you bring up a very good conversation. Since we started, you bring up the conversation of multi-channel marketing. Mm -hmm. So there are some people that they under the belief that, oh, you know what, I've put a message on LinkedIn and, you know, I didn't get any customers and how come that didn't happen? So, um, you know, you and I've talked about this before is that that message needs to be across many platforms, many channels, and it has to be propagated across uh, and, and people, if they're not already on those channels, you know, one of the recommendations is for me personally is to tell these individuals or these companies, get on these channels, yes. you know, get yourself on uh, the variety of channels that are out there. And you mentioned TikTok and, and YouTube. And this is the why we, that's why I created this channel is uh, we've had in, in the past in, in localization industry, the a bit of a, uh, we don't have enough content being created re regarding the localization industry. And I thought, Okay, I'm going to start something that is, has a mm -hmm. bit more conversations around visual conversation. Put it on YouTube, engage in people conversation. And also, we started, I started the podcast on this channel. So basically, to make sure that the message is propagated, you need to be on every channel. So you cannot be selective and say, okay, I put some LinkedIn ads and hope for the best. That's one thing, but yeah. you, need to, you need to maximize the opportunity. Am I right on this or...? hundred percent, a hundred percent. So there are a few trends when it comes to marketing in 2023, one of them being, I'll call it hyper content distribution. So creating content in today's world is, is needed because 
few years ago, um, let's say 2015, um, 2016, it was a lot easier to just create an ad, put out an ad and you would make sales or you get appointments. Um, I remember the 2016, 2018 days of marketing, very, very different. People are a lot more selective right now with their time and with their attention. Um, it's also a little bit harder, although we have hundreds of tools, thousands of tools to, to track and, and analyze our efforts, it's a lot harder nowadays to track where exactly that one sale came from because people are on different channels and they communicate on different channels differently and they go on different channels to um, be educated and entertained differently. Now also, content creation in my opinion has become easier there's so many tools available free tools and paid tools that it really don't cost that much it takes um i think there's like one software we use for uh video editing and it has auto captions for like 15 bucks a month as a business that's not a lot of money to spend um so content creation is a lot easier and there's a lot more competition on these social channels and you need to put out a lot more content than you used to uh, put put out before. Um, also, sale doesn't happen from the first um, interaction anymore. So you put out an ad, that's great. Someone will check you out. They will see your ad, but until they see it like 10 times, 12 times, they're not going to engage with you. So what you want to do is you want to be where your customers are, follow them around on, um, on social channels, online, whatever they hang out with paid and organic methods. Um, doing that also gives you more opportunities for you to showcase your brand's personality, what you're all about, what makes you unique, what problems you solve for that customer and prospect. Um, but also, um, I think one thing that businesses overlook sometimes is that reputation management, which is kind of like online PR. Um, if you, um, look up my name right now online, it's not just going to be my website that pops up. It's going to be all my social profiles. More, it's going to be a lot of partners that I work with, like you, for instance, that have high-ranked um, blogs or YouTube channels that are featuring me in their YouTube channels. So I am actually, I, I, I'm ranking with my own name on my own channels, my own assets, but also on our partner's assets. So you want to be on as many places as possible, and um, that's going to increase your chances of, of converting, and it's going to bring your conversion um, costs down a little bit too. This is very exciting, you know, the conversation that we're having right now, because I know it's top of mind for many of my colleagues, uh, for many of our audience on this on this channel and the people that I've talked to uh, day in, day out. Um, and, uh, you know, the the entire thing is around revenue generation and mm -hmm. revenue generation has been a especially for, you know, large companies and small companies. It's been yeah. an, it's been a uh, sort of like a, a nagging issue that is it's not easily come about. It's not a, in yeah. terms of solution, right? So digital marketing is one. Sales, we'll be talking about sales in the future topics on this yeah. channel, which you know takes over from where social media and digital marketing ends. You now you get in, you get into sales discussion. One yeah. um, question: I'm not sure if you have given it any um, in, any in depth thoughts. We hear a lot about GPT three and artificial yeah. intelligence. And how's that? Do you think in your world that's going to impact your uh, digital marketing in general and specifically for your business. Uh, there's two ways. I mean, we're looking at it in our industry. Either you adopt it and you become a pioneer in this or you let it roll over you and then down the road you see, oh, I missed the boat. So yeah, <laughs> in your world, how do you see that? It's here to stay. It's here. It's here to stay. So um, if you are um, 
afraid of it or a little bit anxious about it, that's quite normal. I know that I had a lot of conversations with marketers and especially copywriters that said, oh my God, it's here to take my job. Um, it is a machine. It is a tool. You are a human and a human will never, in my opinion, re be replaced by a machine in the sense that, I mean, it will automate and replace some of our tasks, but it'll never fully replace a human. So um, in my world of digital marketing, we've been talking about this actually quite quite a lot since it came out. Uh, we have Slack channels in our own internal team where we um, where we talk about it and we, we make a joke that I don't think it's a joke at this point anymore, but um, prompt engineer is actually going to be a job title where you just know how to prompt properly, right? <laughs> um, you got to adopt it. So I um, I will say that um, take the time to understand it, learn it, and and adapt to to the world. Um, it makes our jobs a lot a lot easier, right? So um, the way the way I explained to my team too um, was look like you have a dishwasher at home. That doesn't mean that there's no chores. You still have chores in your kitchen. I have chores in my kitchen, even though I have a dishwasher, right? So I just need a repair guy to come in and fix yeah. the dishwasher sander, right? Exactly, exactly. So just because I have a dishwasher doesn't mean that I don't have a lot of stuff to do in my kitchen. So um, adapt and and use it to your advantage. So. Of one thing that I think will 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 shift in the marketing world, and anyone that does marketing doesn't have to be a marketer, will be um, learn how to be a strategist um, mm -hmm. instead of of, uh, of putting your thoughts and efforts into manpower. So where I have seen ChatGPT work beautifully is on the tasks that don't require a lot of um, I'll call it thought and brain power, but that are automated and mechanical that I was doing them mechanically anyway. And now I can use the machine to help me with that, organize content and create content. And um, I can spend my time on the stuff that differentiates the human from the machine, which is being a strategist, understanding problems right. and figuring right. out solutions. I have more time now to have more conversations with my clients where we're looking at their goals or their targets, what's worked, what hasn't worked over the last year, over the last six months, create new strategies and any sort of um, little content that I could have, uh, again, written mechanically, I can get ChatGPT to do or organize content. Having said that, copywriting, ChatGPT is not at a point where it replaces very good copywriters because it doesn't have um, human emotion nuances sense of humor that has to come from um from uh i will say from humans right so um my goodness i think we could have a whole conversation just about chat gpt but i i, I would say like at, at the end of it don't be afraid of it afraid of it adopt it it is here to stay that is the reality and start thinking about how to become a strategist and how to solve problems don't get too wrapped up in um in platforms um to be honest even before chat gpt when i was a little bit uh more more of a novice in, in in marketing i was thinking my goodness like there's so many platforms that are coming out so many uh new updates to all of these platforms i don't know how i'm going to be able to keep up and then i realized that my clients, the business that I work with, they don't care what platform I use. They don't care about TikTok or Pinterest. All they care about is, Sandra, can you help me get to my goals? And if I say Pinterest or TikTok, same thing to them. It really doesn't matter. So what I started thinking more about is how do I identify problems quickly and, and early enough and learn how to solve problems that's going to that's going to pay my bills it's not learning instagram better than i learn facebook and marketing myself as an instagram expert
Mm-hmm. That's just the way I see it. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be the same with ChatGPT and any other AI tool. Absolutely. Automation is uh, meant for that. Automating what exactly. can be automated. Um, and, uh, you know, until such time, and I don't know, um, you know, technology can, continues on improving uh, to replicate an exact human emotions and human uh intelligence uh intelligence it's it it, it tends to think about intelligence as mechanical as mathematical as algorithms so that can be replicated but the emotional part of a human a human being until we're able to replicate that we still need a human being to do and let's face it i mean if we're talking about content if we're talking about localization if we're talking about in that space content is growing every year for about 40 percent now and mm-hmm. in order for us to treat this content, it doesn't matter what treatment definition you use, either, you know, turn it into a digital marketing uh, pieces or translate it or uh, take it to, you know, object oriented and move it to another, uh, move it to another platform, et cetera. Mm-hmm. However you're treating, we need an army of people just to make sure that we're doing this. Unless we have some sort of a, an automation to support us, basically we're consuming exactly. content at a higher rate and we exactly. create content at a higher rate. So yes, evidently, you know, we got to have to have some sort of a tool or machine (laughs) to allow us to either create it, treat it at a most basic level to to put it in front of consumer. Absolutely. That's exactly it. So great to have a conversation with you about this topic. And um, before, um, I mean, I got a couple more before we we adjourn here. So if some of my audience or some of our audience here wants to reach you, uh, how do they reach you? Uh, I'm, I know I'll put your information, your contact information in a description of this video, but if you have any other uh, ways of communicating with you, what would you say? Um, sure, I'm very active on LinkedIn actually. So if you go on LinkedIn and you search for Sandra Stepan, I am there. Um, our website, so snapadvantage.com and email. I uh, I check my emails every day, all day, pretty much. <laughs> Not quite all day, but I make sure that my inbox is uh, as, as close to zero as possible. So that would be Sandra at snapadvantage.com. Thank you, Sandra. Appreciate it. And any last, you know, now that you've done the, uh, we're coming to the end of our discussion here. What do you feel about this conversation today? How do you, how did you feel about this uh, dialogue? I love it. I love that. I think there's so many uh, pieces of this that we could have uh, we could have side turned on and have a whole another conversation on on all these different topics. Um, the chat GPT, the machine, the um, I just wanted to add one one note from um, traveling um, from traveling for the last two years. I um, Actually, most of my friends are from uh, former Yugoslavia. So actually, I have more friends from former Yugoslavia than I have Romanian friends. And growing up in Canada, I was able to learn a little bit of language and understand it and so on. But I um, I came back after two years of being in the Balkans, and I have a different understanding of the language, not because I heard more words or more conversation, but because I lived there, because I went to concerts and I listened to an entire um you know, stadium sing to songs that um, united a bunch of countries that, you know, for a while wasn't, weren't united, um, where the singer literally stopped and everybody was singing in unison and, and living living it, where we we went to concerts of, um, of uh, stars that used to sing 30, 40 years ago and you had all these generations come together. So when it comes to a machine, it will never understand that. It will never understand right. that, uh, that I'll call it je ne sais quoi because I actually don't know what it is. It's some sort of an energy that unifies different groups and communities of people, whether those communities are geographically based or mm-hmm. um, based on, you know, hobbies and 
family and so on. Tradition, tradition right? History. So I don't think machine could ever replace that. Could they replace word by word? Absolutely. But in my opinion, language and communication comes from so, so, so much more than translating word Correct. A for word B. It comes, like I said, from um, the music, the tales, the traditions, the people, the way someone says hi to you in one area of a country and the way the word they use in another area of the country is very different. It's those little nuances that mean so much. Um, it doesn't seem like at the beginning, but it means so much. And I, I don't think that um, machine could ever replace that. Correct. In and, the, and that's that's what we, um, we talk about in our industry quite a bit. Machine plays a big role in the way we work. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a tool in a process. Um, it is not yet uh, replaced the entire process. And I personally, you know, I can't say I can't see it, you know, down the road, maybe in the short term, I don't see it happening because you still you still need the human in the middle. We call it a human in the middle. You still need a human in the middle for various reasons to uh, program the machine, to train the machine or to work in in, in conjunction to the machine and with the machine. So I really want to thank you for your time today. I hope you come back Mm -hmm. and we have a another interesting topic to dive into to. i'm sure there's a this, this this our discussion today may have generated many other items that we probably need to dig deeper into um thanks again for your time sandra i really appreciate thank it you. and thanks for being uh, part of our uh, my uh, our youtube channel the localization fireside chat uh we look forward to having you back on and uh, hopefully this uh episode today that we've recorded together um, you know, generate something positive for you. I'm sure it will generate something positive to our audience. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Robin. It's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks.